Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The world was in a spiritual mess. Spiritual chaos was prophesied. Psalms 118, verse 24. It reads this. You love this verse. This is the day that the Lord has what? Made. And we will be glad. We'll rejoice in it. And then it goes on to say, save now. Save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that is exactly what they said when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on the donkey, 173,880 days after the decree went out to build. They began to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All of these things were prophesied. So when Jesus showed up, it was At just the right time. Did I make my point? It it was just at the right time. It was in the fullness of time when the world was in need of it. And it was an exact fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And why did he do it? Verse 5, look at it. Let me see the tops of your heads. Look at it. He tells us why he did it. To redeem those who were under the what? Law that we might receive the what? Adoption of sons. Now listen, give me your attention. Doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. There's so many people, they don't like doctrine. People don't like doctrine. Some people say, why do we even need doctrine? We don't need doctrine. Can't we all just get along? We don't need doctrine, all the blood and doctrine of justification and sanctification and glorification and redemption and the resurrection Ah, doctrine, schmoctrine. Sorry. That's what they say. We don't need doctrine. Yes, we need doctrine. We must have doctrine. Don't you realize that our faith is built on doctrine? There are certain things that we believe as believers that that are unalterable, that we cannot change, that we don't have the liberty to fudge and to mess with. And here we come to another doctrine of Scripture. It's called the doctrine of adoption. We find that woven all throughout Scripture, talked about all in the Bible. A doctrine, doctrine is explained in all of the Bible. Adoption is explained in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, if you're taking notes. Adoption is the result of God's promise, Romans chapter 9. Adoption is by faith. Galatians 3, verse 26, 27. We looked at that last week. Doctrine is of God's grace. We find that in Ezekiel 16, 3, 6. Adoption is through Christ. 
We find that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 12. Also, we just read it, Galatians 4, 4. It's through Christ. In adoption, we receive a new name, Acts 15, 17. Adoption, it entitles us to an inheritance, Galatians 3, 29. Adoption, listen, was God's plan all along. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 11. Now this word adoption, if you're taking notes, it literally means a person takes a child into his family that is not his own with the purpose of giving him or her all the privileges of his own natural children. Let me say that again. Adoption means a person takes a child into his family that is not his own with the purpose of giving him or her all the privileges of his own natural child. An adopted child is legally entitled to all the rights and all the privileges of a natural born child. You know, it reminds me of this story of this first grade teacher who was discussing a picture with a, of a family with her class. And one of the children in the picture had different color hair than the rest of the family. So a little girl in the class said, well, maybe that was because the boy was adopted. I know all about adoption, she said, because I was adopted. Another little boy asked her, well, what does it mean that you're adopted? And the little girl said that you grew in your mommy's heart instead of her tummy. Isn't that true? You grew in her heart instead of her tummy. You were adopted. We grew in God's heart, not in his tummy. <laughs> Say amen if you knew that. All right. No, 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 no. Raise your hand and say amen if you knew that. Okay, God. We grew in his heart. Adoption. Very important that you understand that adoption is different than entering into the family of God. There is a difference between adoption and entering into the family of God. You understand. Remember Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Jesus said, Nick, you must enter into the family of God by being born again. You must be born again. You see? But adoption now speaks of our privileges once we have been born again and into the family of God. So the moment that you are born again, we are placed in an adopted state as heirs. And as heirs and sons and daughters of God, you have the privilege of sonship. So Paul's point is this. Our position as adopted sons or daughters of God is a position of privilege and it's a position of power. Adoption and being born again is different. First of all, you must be born again. You cannot say, I am adopted, but I am not born again. Do y'all understand that? These little, little things are important for your understanding. You can't say, I'm adopted and not born again. You can say, I am born again, and therefore, I am adopted. Are y'all with me? Just trying to teach you. You got to be born again. Once you're born again, then you enter the family of God and you are now adopted sons and daughters of God. 
which speaks of position and privilege and power, but it also speaks of intimacy. Notice in verse six in your Bibles, go ahead and look at it. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, what saints? Abba, father. The word Abba means father. The word Abba means Papa. The word Abba means Daddy. The word Abba is the most intimate term that a Hebrew person can use in relationship to their father. Abba. Go to Israel today. Walk in the old city. Walk in the new city. You see little kids running behind their dads and they're saying, Abba. Abba, Abba. Or little kids running behind their mom. Ima, Ima, Ima. Mommy, mommy. Daddy, daddy. It's a very intimate term. So when you're born again, you're adopted into the family of God, and now you have full and complete access to the Father, and you're adopted as heir, and now. He is your Abba Father. And that word Abba speaks of relationship. See, we don't really get it in our culture because we're losing it when it comes to the family. Somebody say amen. Y'all know that's right? Oh, dad. Oh, mom. You're too old. We'll put you in assistant living. Oh, you need to be in a retirement home. I've got to go to work. Let's find a good one for you. We're we're losing that intimacy in the family. It's so sad. I told my kids, y'all put me in an assisted living retirement home. I bet you what? I'll find enough strength to kill you. I'm coming back. And if I die in there, I will come back to life. I'm telling you, I'm going to resurrect. I know that. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, sister? I'm coming back. You put put me where? I told my kids, let me tell you something. See, I'm from the old school. Y'all forget. If you're from the new school, please forgive me while I have a moment. Okay, can y'all forgive me? I'm from the old school. Okay, no, you ain't put me in a retirement home. You're going to take care of me. I took care of you. Shoot, changing them diapers. You know what kind of... I'm going to lose it. No, changing them diapers and carrying on, putting up with you all night long. And the stuff you took me through when you were a teen, you owe me. I ain't no kids like, oh, you, oh, oh, sweetie, sweetie, oh, mommy, daddy, love you so much. You can't pay us back. Oh, you can pay me back. Yes, you can pay me back. You can take care of me or you can give me money. It seems like everybody over here is with me. Everyone over here is not. But it's okay. I'll talk to y'all. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me give y'all one last try. All right. Uh Uh-uh. No. No, we're parents, we're adopted. We have intimacy and relationship. And I think that we need to continue with that in our culture. Kids, don't turn your back on your mom. I don't care if you don't think she's right. 
If she's your mother, she deserves not to be right. If she doesn't, if she ain't right, she ain't right. Then you just look at her and you just go, yes, mom. In your head, you're thinking, you are so wrong. Because that's what I did with my mom. My mom be saying, you don't, no, you don't talk back to Gertrude. You might get knocked out. My mother say, say one more word and see if you don't wake up. And if y'all know my mother, don't that sound just like her? That sounds just like her. You know my mother. See if you don't wake up. You be picking your teeth up off your floor. I'll be like, whoa. Okay, mom. Psycho mom. And, uh, <laughs> but really, the relationship, we need to maintain relationship. And I think in our culture, we're losing that, that sense of relationship. God is in the relationship. God is into Intimacy. And as heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ, that we have intimacy with the Father. And that's why he tells us that we can boldly come to the throne of grace. Are you listening? That we can boldly come to the throne of grace and receive grace and mercy and help in a time of need. Because we have access to the Father. There's an intimacy that we have with the Father. God wants to have intimacy with you. Just like you have intimacy with your children. You can come to God at any time. Your children can come to you at any time. And if you want to know how intimate a person is with God, if you want to know how intimate a person is with with knowing God and their depth of intimacy, you know how you know that? How you gauge that? Listen to them pray. I am convinced that God allowed us to hear Jesus praying in John chapter 17 is the Lord's prayer. The Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is not the Lord's Prayer. That is what we call a model prayer. Are y'all with me so far? John chapter 17 is the Lord's Prayer. And in it, we get to hear Jesus praying. It reminds me of one time I got up early one morning and my wife was in the family room and she was praying out loud and I got a chance to hear her prayer. And I could hear the the, the conversation that she was having with the father. And that told me a lot about her. So when you hear someone praying, you can really tell how intimate they are. Are they praying like, you know, like some people you pray and, you know, some people pray and 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 they say father after every word. You ever meet somebody like that? And Father God, and Father God, we ask you this. And Father God, we ask you that. And Father God, we ask you this. And Lord Jesus, we ask you that. And Father God, and Father God. And they keep saying Father God. What does that tell us? That they relate to God as a father. And Lord Jesus, we ask you this. And Lord Jesus, that. And Lord Jesus, in your name. And that tells us that they are relating to God as Lord. You can hear it. Or you hear somebody, hey, why don't you pray? Well, um, okay. Uh, well, um, big kahuna upstairs. <laughs> if uh, you wouldn't mind imploring your, both your ears to hear what we're trying to say to you. You know, you get a sense, you know, that person is not very intimate with God or You know, I call this the 1-800 prayer, the long-distance God prayer. Holy Father, 
In the name of Jesus, the omnipotent, mighty one who is high and sits high and look at the law. <laughs> and we ask in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, man, that is a little bit much. God is way far from you, isn't he? <laughs> you got to go through all that to get his attention, man. Them words got to travel far. Because he's like way out there. You know, Peter, when Peter prayed, you know, Peter, he's out on the water. He's about to sink. You know what he said? Help! (laughs) Do you know help is a prayer? Help is a prayer. And especially when you got kids. All the time, every day, I see him walk out the door. Lord, help. See him, see him, see him making stupid decisions. Lord, help their stupid self. <laughs> they don't know, Lord. Parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just saying what you think, okay? But we can just talk to God in a very intimate way. That's what God wants. Move forward. Look at verse 7. Notice something. I want you to see this just really quick. We don't have a whole lot of time. But listen, there's a progression in verse 7. To this verse. First, we're set free from slavery. You see it? And then we are declared sons and adopted into God's family. You see it? And then as sons, we are made heirs of God through Jesus Christ. And then in verses 9 through 11, we've already read it. Paul is saying, listen, you were slaves and now you're sons. Now you've been brought out to freedom from worshiping false gods, why would you go back? When Paul talks about slaves, listen, again, every reader would understand. Are you listening? Every reader would understand. And because there were more than 60 million slaves in Rome at this time, six slaves for every one citizen. It was during this time that slaves had no rights. If you were a slave cooking in the kitchen and you burned something, you could be taken out and killed. You had no rights A slave could be traded for a CD. They had no rights. So Paul says, you were in slavery. You were weak and you were beggarly. Why go back to the law? Paul says, I don't get it. I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Don't you get the impression that Paul is really kind of bummed out with what's happening with these Galatians? I mean, he's poured poured himself out for them. He's been teaching them and leading them in the Lord, and he's afraid it's all coming to nothing as the people begin to slip into legalism. And so Paul puts a choice before the Galatians and a choice before us. We can have a living, free relationship with God as a loving father based on what Jesus did for us and who we are in him, or we can try to please God by doing our best and keeping the rules and living in bondage as slaves and not sons. But understand, living that way makes the whole gospel in vain. Don't you understand? that living under legalistic rules and regulation makes the whole gospel in vain. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of grace. The reality is Jesus loved you because 
He loved you. There was nothing good in you. You were not deserving. You were not some trophy in God's curios. You were nothing. He loved you because he loved you. For by grace are you saved through faith that is not of yourself. It's the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Can you clap your hands about that? Can you clap your hands about that? Of course you can. God loved us because he loves us. And Jesus is enough for us. Jesus is enough. You know, Paul the Apostle, you read the New Testament writings, you read Paul's writings. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul's writings woven in each book that Paul wrote, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st Timothy, 2nd Timothy, all of these books, Hebrews, I believe Paul wrote, some scholars would argue, but I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And every one of Paul's writings, he's weaving in this gospel of grace. Man, Paul wouldn't write that much and continue to hold it down. Paul is holding it down for the gospel of grace. And the reason he's doing that is because it is important for every single believer. If you're going to walk in true liberty and true freedom, you've got to get your mind wrapped around this topic of grace. And Paul spends most of his writings talking about grace, talking about the, the, the superiority of Christ. The book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1, in the old days, in sundry times, in days past, he has spoken to us, God has spoken to us through the Father. But in these last days, he, or through the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his own dear son, Jesus. The whole book of Hebrews, listen, you want to know, just second service, a lady walked up to me and she said, Pastor, what is the book of Corinthians? Why did Paul write the book of 1 Corinthians? I said, Paul wrote the first book. She said, I got a question for you. And people come up and tell me they got a question for me. I use it in my mind. I'm going, I'm, I, my, my face, I'm going, oh, okay. And, uh, oh, okay. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what she want? All right, how bad is this going to be? Security? And she goes, Pastor, I have a question for you. I said, yes. And she says, why, why did Paul write? First Corinthians. This was just second story right out, right out there on the front. Said, Why did Paul write First Corinthians? I said, Oh well, he wrote First Corinthians because the church was crazy, and it was a, it was a mess. I mean, you had a son sleeping with the father's wife, and people coming to the table of the Lord just because they wanted to have lunch. They weren't coming like with a right attitude and with a right heart, and it was nuts. And people were swinging from the ceilings and dancing in the spirit and jumping over chairs, clucking like chickens, rolling like on the ground and barking like dogs. It was a nuts. It was good. Gifts of spirit were out of whack. It was chaos. I said, so Paul wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians because it was a corrective epistle. Oh, okay, I get it. Well, Paul wrote the book of Hebrews as a corrective epistle as well. A corrective epistle to correct the Jewish mind to help them to understand that Christ is better. If you were to put a title over the book of Hebrews, what is the book about? Christ is better. Better than what? Better than Moses, 
better than Aaron, better than a, a Levitical system. He's better than, than the sacrifices of bulls and goats because all of those things point to him. Christ is better. And for you, Hebrew believer, Christian believer, to go back under the law is grievous. And that's why the very strong statement in chapter 3, verse 1, you stupid Galatians. That's what it says in the Greek. Who has bewitched you that you should so soon be removed from grace? It doesn't make sense. Why would you? How could you? When he was so clearly, like that phrase, has the idea of a billboard. Christ has been betrayed before you so big, like a billboard. How could you go back, even think about going back under the law? How could you? It doesn't make sense. That's Paul's argument. We will continue with that argument next week. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.